the fans and the best fans coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Tonight is the NCAA Men's National Championship basketball game. It's Villanova versus Michigan, and I don't care who wins because Sister Jean is out. Eliminated. Ha! And thank God. I got sick to death of Sister Jean. Sister Jean was rammed down our throats, and she came to represent Loyola basketball more than the players. That was through no fault of hers, although Sister Jean certainly didn't avoid the cameras. But here, you got a number 11 seed in the Final Four, which is unheard of. And some 98-year-old nun in a wheelchair is the big story. That is showbiz over substance. And I get it. But there's got to be a happy medium. Sister Jean was just omnipotent. She's a nun. Okay. That doesn't mean much to me. She's 98. Okay. Better her than me. She's so, so sweet, you could just eat her up. Nom, 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 nom. I know. But we got too many helpings and we vomited. Not liking the Sister Jean story doesn't make me a bad person. Judge me by what I do, not what I like. Or better yet, don't judge me. Mind your own friggin' business. When Loyola lost, there was a shot on TV of Sister Jean going down the tunnel for the last time. Yo, give that shot to Loyola's players, to the seniors, because they're far more important than Sister Jean. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. There was a report Sister Jean actually left early. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, I'm not Catholic. And I'm not spiritual in Sister Jean's way. So the nun thing, the chaplain thing, it means very little to me. I bet even the players got sick of Sister Jean usurping their spotlight. I would have. Now, that's going to be Pitt next year, the Miracle Team. So Pitt better find itself a nun. Maybe Heather Light can borrow Whoopi Goldberg's old costume. Now the pit got Jeff Capel, the sky's the limit. Uh, it's kind of old news now, but Capel, Capel, whatever his name is, that's a solid hire. A solid hire, but he was nowhere close to being Pitt's first choice. Maybe third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in there. Uh, Capel might have recruited some one and duns to Duke, but that was Duke. This is Pitt. Duke recruits itself practically. But again, it's a solid hire. Better than I expected after the initial chaos. Uh, that Capel is a solid coach and a good ACC guy, so hell to pit. I guess. And frig off if that level of praise isn't enough for you. Let's go to Lenny in Carnegie. Lenny, you're on the Mark Madden Show. What up, Big Sexy? What up? Hey, so I thought it was kind of concerning how the Penguins gave up some like great A chances over the weekend. 
What are your thoughts on the Penguins going to a 2-3 zone? What, a trap? They're not going to do that. I'm saying like two forwards, 3-D. What the frig are you talking about? Two forwards, three defensemen. Okay, so instead of using three forwards, like have Latang, Dumoulin, and Mata out there at the same time. Yeah, because they're giving up some high quality. Yeah, you know, you see, I know you're doing this to, to f with me and to get me to lose my temper. But when I keep my composure like this and expose you for the moron you are, it does nothing but make you look better. All your little friends there in the same room getting ready to laugh out loud with you when you complete your call. And how many of you aren't wearing pants? Is what I'd like to know. Hello. Yeah, all of us. You're all not wearing pants. Yeah, I believe I- it. I believe it. I really do believe it. Thank you for your call. Oi. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Now, the Penguins are surrendering a lot of chances, and I still think they're pinching too much, and the defensemen are joining the rush too much. But they're committed to the way they're going to play. At some point, though, if it's not working, wouldn't you modify I would. I don't think Mike Sullivan will. You know, if the Penguins don't win a Stanley Cup this year, I think Mike Sullivan will come back next year more amenable to adjusting. Not that he's doing a bad job this year. Heck, why would you adjust when you haven't needed a plan B during your entire tenure as Penguins coach? Through eight playoff series win in two Stanley Cups, why would you feel the need for plan B? But I think they need one. And if they don't use one this year and they don't win the cup, then next year maybe we'll see a plan B. Maybe we'll see a bit more diversity in the approach. I'm not criticizing Sullivan. He's done a great job. I'm just telling you, they're giving up too many chances. I can see why they're giving up too many chances. Sullivan can see why they're giving up too many chances. And there doesn't appear to be any sense that adjustment is necessary. Although Sullivan has said that he wants the defenseman to play scoring situation more with the pinch and with joining the rush, he wants them to, to 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 dull it down a bit later in games and that they're not. But if they're not, then bench somebody, scratch somebody, shoot somebody. I think Matt Hunwick's done well since getting back in the lineup, although here's something odd. I don't have the game sheets in front of me for the games he played recently prior to last night. But I always thought of him as a penalty killer, and I thought when he did get back in the lineup, that he would be used to kill penalties, but he didn't get one second of penalty kill time last night. I think one reason they're making that switch is I think Alexiak plays better on the right side. I think he's shown that. And I think getting Hunwick back in the lineup on his preferred left side gets Alexiak back to what has become now his preferred right side. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Wait, you know what I should do? I should take a one more day off and not work the day of the Pirates home opener. Because this is one of those rare occasions where it really does feel like people aren't listening. Because the Pirates got off to the 3-0 start, playing a Detroit team that's even worse than them. Now they got off to a 5-0 lead on the Moran Grand Slam. And now they lead 5-4 in the eighth. But you know what is still merciless on Root Sports? Well, AT&T Sportsnet now. All the crowd shots. The crowd shots at the expense of game shots are just unbelievable. The Pirates definitely want that. 
Definitely want that. Earlier today, they interviewed Chip Ganassi, the race car guy. Great guy, Chip Ganassi. But they were interviewing him while play was going on. I mean, they had the the, the, the batter home plate on screen, but they just kept talking to Chip Ganassi. There was no play-by-play being done. But, you know, that's where sports broadcasts are now. It's the same notion as Susan Sarandon, you know, doing color analysis during that Penguins-Rangers game, even though she knew nothing about hockey and acted like she had never spoken into a microphone in her entire life. Maybe that's what people want now. I don't know. I can't figure it out. I like Chip Ganassi. I think Susan Sarandon at one time had a great body. So does Chip Ganassi. Well, at one time. It just, I don't know. I When I'm done with this business, I will be very glad to be done with this business because I don't like what's happened to it. Then again, I'm the guy bashing Sister Jean. You know who the only other media people I've seen bashing Sister Jean are? Barstool Sports, which makes me feel more than a little bit dirty. 412-333-9939, the number to call. We got Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. The cream comes to the top. I feel like I'm just bubbling over. You wear pants while you're on the air? Because I wouldn't. Who told you? The X at 105.9. Double M on the X, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Penguins play Columbus Thursday. And that is shaping up as uh, a big game because if Pittsburgh wins, they'll get second place in home ice against either Columbus or Philadelphia. If Pittsburgh loses, I think the best they'll do is third place in not having home ice in the first round series against Columbus. But worse than that, if they lose, they could easily slip to the first wild card, a.k.a. fourth place in the Metro, and that would mean a date with Washington in the first round. Maybe it doesn't make a difference if they have home ice. Maybe it makes no difference who they play. But these are the circumstances the Penguins potentially face. We'll talk about all of that with Phil Bork at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Matt in Cannonsburg. Matt, you're on with Double M. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? What's up? Hey, so I just wanted to throw a stat out there, and I want to get your reaction to it. So since the trade deadline, the Penguins have only won four games in which they did not score at least five or more goals. Okay. Do you think that that also coinciding with the Columbus Blue Jackets that went on a run there for a minute, is that a large enough sample size for you to agree that Ian Cole may have been the wrong priest to trade? I would make that trade again today in a second. Fair enough. I mean, do you think that because Cole went to Columbus and they started to win, that he's the reason they started to win? Uh, People can fall into that trap sometime that if B follows A, then A must have caused B. Uh, Ian Cole is a number five defenseman, although he is playing... uh, pretty much a de facto number four for Columbus. But I just can't believe that swapping a number five defenseman makes that much difference. And if it does, then Cole should have been more than a number five defenseman long ago, not just for Pittsburgh, but for St. Louis before that. 
And if it does, how come he got scratched in Pittsburgh, and how come he got scratched in St. Louis? I mean, he may have been scrapped for performance there. I just can't. I can't look at that sample size. And he got scratched that. for performance here in Pittsburgh and in St. Louis, and not just this year, but a couple years ago when he first joined Pittsburgh. I'm not saying the guy's rotten. I'm saying he's not Ray Bork. So, do you think that it's definitely not? I mean, do you think that he really didn't have that much of an impact? The fact that that's exactly what I'm saying. I think I think he's played well with Columbus. Hey, look at his numbers. He has two goals, five assists, and he's plus 12 in 17 games. Those numbers don't lie. But that is more likely a good defenseman playing for a red-hot team as opposed to a great defenseman making that team red-hot. Is any of this sinking in? It is, but it doesn't change the fact that we can't win games unless we put up five. Actually, they've, they've, they still have won games, though, haven't they? Four games. Since the trade so are you telling me that the reason they're they're letting up more goals is because Ian Cole's not here? Yeah. That I, I, I can't imagine you're that stupid. I can't imagine you're that stupid to think losing a number five defenseman would have that kind of impact. Look at the goals against and goals. Okay, for. I'm gonna go real slow again. I can't imagine actually by now I can't imagine but I was going to say, I can't imagine you're so stupid that you think losing a number 5 defenseman would have that kind of impact. Maybe the remaining defensemen aren't playing that well. Ian Cole didn't play 60 minutes, did he? Uh, nobody does. I know. And he's not playing 60 minutes for Columbus either, is he? No, he's not. You see, you 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 don't you you obviously are an Ian Cole fan, or you want to be mad at Rutherford because he made a trade and he blew it. They would have won three straight cups, but that old bastard made a trade and he blew it. You're just looking for a reason to make something out of nothing. And even if Columbus beats the Penguins Thursday and eliminates the Penguins, it won't be because they have Ian Cole and the Penguins don't. It just won't be. Anything else? No, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, you jag off. You know what, though? That's what we're going to hear, and I've tried to avoid talking about it. If they play Columbus in the first round, it's going to be, well, now we see if that was a good trade. Because if Columbus beats Pittsburgh, then Pittsburgh should have held on to Cole. And I'm put in an odd position where I feel like I'm bashing Ian Cole. I'm not. He's a good number five defenseman. But that's what he is, and always will be, a number five defenseman. And and this this depth chart for Columbus must be wrong because if he's playing in a pair up above Ryan Murray, that's a mistake. That's got to be a, a typo. The wrong pair here, the the right pair there. But but boy, that's going to be something we just beat to death if, if the Penguins play Columbus. Ian Cole should have kept Ian Cole. Should have kept Flurry. Should never make a trade. Should have had exactly the same team this year we had last year because we had the exact same team last year we did the year before, and we won. I know more than Rutherford. I know more than Salvin. I know more than everybody. And meanwhile, none of you know excrement. Dear God, 412-333-9939. Up next, the man who does know excrement. Uh, wait a minute. Uh, Phil Bork, the old 2-9er, up next to 105.9. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. How you doing today, honey? Really good, sweetheart. Borderline violent, very noisy. Absolutely beautiful. 
KTX at 105.9. Here's the announced attendance at PNC Park, 30,186. That's the smallest attendance for home opener in the history of PNC Park. That's about 8,000 empty seats. We'll talk about that later. Now it's time to talk hockey. Brought to you by Coors Light and by Armstrong. It's the old 2-9 or two-time Stanley Cup champion, Phil Bork. Borky, how big is home ice advantage and how big is Thursday's game at Columbus? Uh, huge and huge um, because they kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, if you want to get that uh, that home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, uh, then you need to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets on Thursday. They pretty much uh, align right up. Uh, it's big for the Penguins. I mean, it's pretty pretty obvious uh, how uh, how different their record is home and away. Um, I know they don't go into a road game thinking they're going to play a different style, uh, but their record says something different. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I don't know how much that will carry over into the playoffs. Hopefully it doesn't at all. It hasn't in the past. Uh, it seems uh, the Penguins seem to be a different animal come playoff time, and I expect the more, uh, the sa- more of the same um, in about 10 days. Did the Penguins play poorly last night, or did they just get beat by Grabauer uh, in net for Washington? I don't think they played poorly. Uh, they had some breakdowns. Um, I, I didn't think that and Matt Murray made some big saves, but I didn't think he made enough of them. Uh, I think he'll admit that, that he could be better. Uh, Grubauer, was, that's the best I've seen him play. Uh, that's the first time we've seen him start a game against the Penguins. We've seen him come in in relief, and he wasn't, wasn't uh, sparkling like he was last night. He, he was making saves. He didn't even know he was making. Um, and he got a little help from his, uh, his friend in the post there, too. Because I think if Geno scores that goal on the five-on-three to make it one-to-one, uh, I have a funny feeling it's going to be a different hockey game. But that's the way the game goes. Um, I thought on the first goal and the Oshie goal, I thought there was a defensive breakdown there. Um, and the Wilson goal, I think, was just sheer luck. Um, that puck was going about three feet wide. I, I like I liked the battle level of the Penguins. I like how they there was uh, no, uh, no quit in their fight. I loved all the nastiness at the end, um, whether it was just the Penguins venting or delivering a message, whatever you want to call it, I liked all of it. Well, let's stay with the... Uh ending to the game, uh, did Gino go a bit too far and a bit too long, or, or, or did you like the fact that he got a little riled? I like that he got riled. A ticked-off Gino is a Gino that I really like. Um, and I think that over the years, he's been able to harness that energy and deliver it uh, with goals and his play escalating um, shortly thereafter him um, just kind of losing his cool. So, you know, when he first started doing it, you know, we're talking, you know, eight, nine years ago, uh, it was a bit of a head-scratcher for me because I thought he kind of went over the line, went too far with it. But, but now I like it. I like it because it's, it gets his blood boiling. It gets his competitive, competitive juices flowing, uh, and he's able to harness it and, and be a better hockey player. So I, never, I didn't think it went too far. Uh, I, I, him and Oshie, well, we know who Oshie is. We know what kind of style he plays. He's an agitator. He's a disturber. Um, but uh, the part I liked the most was when Kuznetsov thought he was going to uh, uh, start beaking Gino, and that's when Gino really got hot. The whole thing with Oshie, I think, was a little bit of frustration, a little bit of uh, you know delivering a message by Gino with the Oshie. With Oshie. But the, th- the thing with Kuznetsov, that's what really got Gino's blood boiling. Are the Penguins playing like you want them to be playing? 
heading into the playoffs? And if not, where do they need to touch up a bit to improve a bit between now and next week? Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You don't need, need me to tell you, Mark. They're probably not playing their best. They've had moments of really good games, uh, you know, whether it's against Philly or that game against the New Jersey Devils. Um, those are those are really signature games, games that you can reference back and, and games you can build off of uh, moving forward. Uh, but they've had moments when when they haven't looked that great. I think they're just waiting for game 83. They want to get there so quick, Mark, and they want to really start playing uh, to defend their Stanley Cup championship. Um, the number one thing for me is the penalty killing. And I, I know they were a, a lot better last night against a real tough Washington Capitals team. They held them 0 for 5 in that game. That's, you know, a game they need to build off of. There haven't, haven't been enough games where you can say the Penguins had the Ofer up there. So that's, that's the number one thing for me is this PK has got to be better. We're talking to Phil Bork, the old 2-9er here on the Mark Madden Show. Let's break down a couple key Penguins and their performance heading into the playoffs. Where is Chris Letang at right now? I think he's searching for consistency. There's moments when he looks really good, uh, and there's other moments where he makes mistakes that uh, he shouldn't be making. Uh, so, you know, he's another guy, I think, that, you know, when the stakes are high and everything's on the line, I think he can be a difference maker. Uh, I, nobody has the pom-poms out for Crystal Tang like I do. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan uh, because of the talent that he has, and that's probably why I'm more critical of Crystal Tang than, than any other player is because I know his potential. I know how good he could be. So when he makes certain mistakes, you kind of go, why, why would he do that? Um, I, he's just he's looking for that consistency, like a lot of Penguin players are right now. But I think once once Game One comes for the playoffs, Crystal Tang understands how much of a leader he is, how talented he is, how much of a difference maker he can be. And I think that letter A on his left shoulder means a lot for Tanger come playoff time. Where is Matt Murray's game at? Uh, I think also uh, looking for that consistency, uh, looking for that A plus game. Um, again, he's had moments of it. But uh, and, I, and I don't think there should be any kind of panic or worry or anything like that. This is this is normal. He missed a lot of time with the most recent concussion. You don't just plug and play, and all of a sudden it's a plus, and you're and you're making uh, ridiculous saves game after game. Uh, I think he's just certain certain searching for his a plus game and fine tuning. Uh, you know the thing is with, with Matt Murray and, and most goaltenders that. If he makes 10 unbelievable saves and one, lets in one stinker, one you think he should have, that's all you really talk about is the one he lets in, which I don't think is fair. I think you need to take his body of work, which I think has been really, really good. And you think about how good he was, Mark, before this uh, latest concussion. There, there was the A-plus game. He was back to the a Murray, uh, uh, Matt Murray that we saw in the playoffs the last couple of years, and he'll find it again. He's, he, nobody's more critical of Matt Murray than Matt Murray. Oh, no, I, I know that. The one thing that bothers me about some of the goals lately is his glove seems to be done a little bit when he's in his stance. That's happened before. He's always cured it, but it has been a concern lately. Yeah, there's a couple that got past the glove. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like, uh, like I said, if he, makes, if he makes 10 unbelievable glove saves and then one gets past his glove, all of a sudden a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Matt Murray's glove is no good. In and I, 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 I beg to differ with that. Um, you know, is it something he's trying to fine tune? Absolutely, but that's that's the least of my worries right now. Is if Matt Murray's going to be uh, ready to roll and and bring you his very best come Game One in the playoffs? Matt Hunwick's been back in the lineup, Borky. How's he looking? And do you think he'll dress in the postseason? 
Yeah, I think he will. I think, uh, you know, he's a veteran guy, zero maintenance, great teammate. He seems to be absolutely loved in that locker room. Uh, what I was really impressed with, Mark, is, is while he was a healthy scratch for, what, a dozen games or whatever it was, uh, smile on his face every day. Listen, I've been there before. I, I know what that feels like. Uh, and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't as good a teammate as, as he's been. Um, and that positive attitude that he's had, it's, it's going to pay off for him. Uh, I think since he's been back, he's been really solid, really good. Uh, certainly not a weak link, that's for sure. Uh, he had some moments during the regular season uh, that were were probably not his best, and that's probably why he ended up in the press box. But, you know, he's he's a veteran guy. He's been there before, uh, whether it's this, this little bout of being a healthy scratch or, or been in the playoffs before. So uh, I think that he's a guy that definitely – um, definitely will be utilized in the playoffs. The Penguins have been up and down since the Ian Cole trade. The Columbus Blue Jackets have been on fire since they got Ian Cole. How much of either has to do with Ian Cole? The Penguins slumping and the Blue Jackets being torrid. Boy, are we talking about Bobby Orr or Ian Cole? Well, that's what I'm trying to tell my listeners. I, I have those calling who will tell you that the Penguins stink without Cole and the Blue Jackets are not a team to beat with Cole and they don't understand he's a number five defenseman, a good number five defenseman, and I think the Penguins do miss him on the PK, but that's all. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, and I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, let's, yeah, let's not get carried away here in saying the reason why the Columbus Jackets have been playing better. Oh, Ian Cole has come in, and he is, he is the Lord's savior for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Ian Cole is a good, solid defenseman, and we know that. Uh, and he's a good penalty killer. He's a good shot blocker. Uh, and he's a good, solid NHL defenseman. And I think that's where it ends right there. Uh, but I think in the same breath, I think that Jamie Alexiak for us has been uh, uh, you know, equally as solid. I think where the glaring thing is, is in the, in, is it a coincidence? Uh, I don't think so much. I, Ian Cole was a big part of that penalty-killing unit. I think it, it, it falls upon the Penguins defenseman to be better as a group, whoever's out there. And I think there has been a little bit of a hiccup there. And I don't think it's uh, a coincidence. I think that, that PK has missed Ian Cole, but I think they have the players that can easily replace him. Malkin and Kessel are on the same line right now. Will that continue in the postseason? I don't think so. I think if uh, I think once everybody gets back, and I think that Derek Broussard is healthy, I think that's when we'll see Phil go back with uh, Broussard. And, uh, and we'll have... Uh, Phil, Gino, and Sid on three different lines. I think that's what's going to work the best. We need to get everybody healthy for that to happen. Because um, I, I just feel that when when Phil and Gino are together five on five, they just they just look for each other too much. They become a little bit predictable um, with their cross ice passes. And uh, I think if if Mike Sullivan has his way and has all his healthy bodies, that he'll separate the three because then it's it really gives the other team fits on how they're going to defend the Penguins. Let me play devil's advocate, Borky. I see where you're coming from, and I know they're married to that idea. That's why they traded for Broussard, to get Kessel center so Geno, Sid, and Phil could be on separate lines. But I would argue that with all three of them on separate lines, the three stars rarely have enough help to take over games. Well, well let me throw this in there, Mark. When have you you've seen gone through a game where Mike Sullivan has stayed with the lines all throughout the game? That's true. Very rarely, very rarely. So you start the game with all three on uh, on different lines. It, the way the teams prepare, their mental makeup on 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 their on their, uh, their scheme, their defensive scheme, it's got to be different. It's got to be confusing. It's got to be a little intimidating to see those guys 
when you post the lineup on three different lines. But Mike Sullivan um, is, is one of the best bench bosses I've ever witnessed. And having a feel for his players on who's going, who's knowing, not going, and then be able to shift his line and move his players around at the right time to kind of catch that, that lightning in a bottle. Borky, uh, who would you rather see the Penguins play in the first round? Columbus Philly. or Philadelphia? Philly. Tell me why. Well, number one, the Penguins are 4-0 against the Flyers and have scored five goals on each in each game. Number one, I don't think they really know who their number one goaltender is going to be going in. Uh, I don't see the Flyers having a number one defenseman uh, to, to be a shutdown guy. Um, and I think they're a bit of a top-heavy team as far as their offense. And I just think, uh, you know, down the middle of the ice, star power, um, goaltending, coaching, uh, I just see uh, that the Penguins are going to check all those boxes. I, I'd love to see the Flyers. And, and, and selfishly, Anytime you can get the Flyers and the Penguins together in the playoffs, I want it as soon as possible. I agree. That's my preferred opponent as well. The only thing bad about playing them is what if you lose. But the good thing is, what if you don't? Because that's the I team. I never you... think like that. No, I no, no. Want to hear you? I don't even want to hear those words out of your mouth. I, Borky, I live in fear. Look at me, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> if the Penguins lose Thursday at Columbus, they could end up in a wild card spot, and that would probably mean Washington or maybe even Boston or Tampa Bay. What would you think of that? Well, I wouldn't be a fan of that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't. I'm I'm not fearful, and this is no arrogance or cockiness on my part at all, Mark. Uh, I am not fearful uh, of playing Washington or playing Columbus or playing Philly or playing the New Jersey Devils in a, a seven game series. Um, but I think the important thing is, and and you say drop down to a wild card, and you talk about those matchups. For me, then you lose home ice in the first round. That means more to me than who the opponent's going to be. I think that uh, you get home ice in that first round of the playoffs, and then whoever it is, whether it's Philly, whether it's Jersey, whether it's Columbus, whoever it may be, then you let those chips fall as they may on who your opponent. You can't pick your opponent, but you can dictate if you are going to have home ice in that first round. Borky, one thing I want to backtrack to, uh, Patrick Hornquist got another goal last night, and he's been amazing lately. And i got to give him credit because he signed the contract for the long term for the big money, and didn't relax one bit. Started playing better, as a matter of fact. Great points, Mark. It just it reinforces everything you already knew about Patrick Hornquist as a, a person and a, as a player. Um, very unique individual in all of sports. Uh, to right away take less money, read the play, know how happy he is, not only as a player wearing the black and gold, but living in the city of Pittsburgh, for himself and his family, and, and not even hesitate. Um, I'm sure the, the negotiations were all of 15 minutes. They couldn't have been that intense back and forth uh, as far as term, amount, all of it. Uh, and, and by him uh, elevating his play, and I think a little bit has to do with the newborn uh, baby Vendela, uh, giving him some, uh, uh, some new daddy strength and, and um, just, just the way he plays. But that doesn't surprise me at all that he elevates his game. And being down between the benches uh, for the last game for last night, Mark, I, I got to witness uh, his intensity firsthand. It's, it's unbelievable. It's contagious. It's, it's, it's so overwhelming how much this guy wants to win and the passion that he has that uh, it transcends throughout the bench and, and in his play. And uh, he's another guy that's able to harness all that energy and excitement that he has and passion that he has and, and deliver it to the game. He's a fearless player. There's 
really, you, I can't even count on one hand how many players in the league play the way he plays every single night. He never takes a night off, never takes a shift off. And, um, boy, we're lucky to have him here. Borky, great stuff. We'll see you at the rink. Double M, sounds good. I enjoyed it like always. This was good hockey talk. Bill Bork brought you by Coors Light. Enjoy Coors Light drafts, five styles of meatballs, and ten sauces at Emporio, a meatball joint, downtown at Siena Mercado, and in Wexford's Village at Pine, and by Armstrong, one wire, infinite possibilities. Talk to Bob McLaughlin next, 105.9. Oh, Bucks win, undefeated. Oh, the Bucks are going all the way, all the way this year, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Um, what do you think about the new... I can't remember what I called, sorry. Really awesome call. The X at 105.9. Double M joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, the Pirates won 5-4. They nearly blew a 5 nothing lead, but Moran's Grand Slam home run uh, turned out to be the difference. Uh, your take on the Pirates being 4-0. They can keep playing bad teams and... Uh, running in and out of inclement weather as they have been, uh, maybe they got a shot. You know what? Good for them. It's never been about you know what the Pirates on the field are doing. It's been about the management and you know the front office and what they're not allowing them, the pieces they're not allowing them to have. So, good story for those guys. You know, I know that they're diehard Bucko fans, no matter what in this city. It goes back a long time, and good for those fans who braved it out today to see that kind of a game. Although. A little bit close. A little bit close after a hell of a start by Tyon uh, kind of fell to pieces after he went out. Yeah, the uh, the crowd was only 30,000 tickets sold. Wow. And a lot less than that. Do you think that's the weather? Lack of faith in ownership? A, a little of both? Uh, I think when that few tickets are sold, that says a lot about lack of faith in ownership because traditionally – Opening day tickets are almost all sold in advance. Yeah, I'll agree with you, Mark. And if I was going to take any of your um, options there, it would be C, maybe a little bit of both, but heavier on what the front office has done and, and you know, some of the failing belief in some of the fans because they knew this was going to happen. You know, for the last week and a half, you heard that there were 10,000 seats left, then nine, then around eight. Then you're hearing that there's about five right before game time. Um, so if any of those pirate fans, you know, the diehards were on the fence, they had ample time to go down there. And that was clearly them sending a message. Now, if the pirates continue to win, if there's better product on the field, you know that they'll come back pretty quickly, but people were pissed in the off season and they were pissed going into that game today. Um, and it's going to take some management moves for a lot of those fans to become unpissed. Do, do you think that starting out four no helps or do you think people see through that? Um, look past that. It's probably a better a better uh, turn of a phrase. Yeah, yeah. Look past it, and it doesn't hurt. Let's put it that way. I still think that. Oh no, no. I've always felt that the Pirates have to start off good, right? To maintain credibility with the fans and get people interested, they have to start off well, uh, especially with the team that they have now. Because if they're out of the playoff race or only marginally in it, come July, no one will believe that that team can make a run and and inject themselves back into it just you know by winning 14 out of 16 or whatever but if this team is in the playoff race you know all year come July people might think they can hang on no oh absolutely yeah i agree it's with you it's a lot, easy, it's a lot easier to succeed by going by going 8 and 6 8 and 6 8 and 6 8 and 6 than it is to have to go 14 and 2 right um, 
there, Mark, there's no problem with that. If they are hanging on, if they are in the race at any point, I think Pirate fans, a lot of them are going to be happy with that. But boy, if it sets up that way, and look, this is a teeny sample size. They're 4-0 right now, and again, good for them. Um, but if they if they keep pace and then it comes closer to playoff time where maybe one move, one good move, some money move would help them out. Come on. Uh, I kn- that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Everybody knows the way that that story is written. Bob, what's your take on the Blue Jackets with Cole and the Penguins without Cole? Because if they play the Blue Jackets, that's all we're going to be talking about. A number five defenseman will be the primary topic of conversation, and I think it shows just how nuts and how much knowledge people lack. But it's an easy argument to grasp onto, and I think that that's the main thing, you know. Yeah, but but that's a flawed argument. It is a flawed argument. People think that if B follows A, then A caused B, and that is not the case uh, most of the time. Look, I like Ian Cole, and I and I, I do too. I, and I like how you said that earlier in the show when you said I am not bashing Ian Cole, but you're also not going to put you know a medal around his chest and say that this is the reason why the Columbus Blue Jackets are where they're at right now, and this is partly the reason why the Penguins have not not faltered, but aren't doing as well as they did when they were really moving through January and February. Look, that that was an incredible hot streak. Everything was going well for them. It's impossible to play like that you know, for a second half of an entire season. Ian Cole blocked shots well. Ian Cole did some things well. But I subscribe to your notion that he is a number 5 defenseman and he is not the end-all, be-all of the Penguins' futures heading into this playoff race. The Columbus Blue Jackets did this year, uh, last year, with most of their team intact when they went on that 16-er. I think it was a 16-game win streak. So this isn't just because Ian Cole is there, although he's a nice fit for the Blue Jackets like he was for the Penguins. And the Penguins do miss him on the PK. That I see. Right. Now, uh, who would you most like to see them play in the first round? Who would you least like to see them play in the first round? I won Philadelphia first round. I agree with all Borky's points. You know, they're 4-0 against them. They scored five goals against them each game this year. Um, and Philadelphia's coming on right now. I just don't like the Blue Jackets the way they are, the way they're built right now and how they're playing because the Penguins, their PK, uh, it's not keeping pace with the uh, Columbus power play and with their regular five-on-five play. So, plus, what better way to get into the playoffs, Mark, against you know the Flyers? Well, I think the Penguins have to you know, win their games to finish second. Mm-hmm. I think if they beat Columbus, I think Columbus could easily lose at Nashville in the finale and then Philadelphia could jump them. But that's a lot of ifs. I think the most likely scenario is the Penguins lose to Columbus, but play Columbus. Well, the Predators are on fire right now. If you think that Columbus is But that the, game, the last game, will mean nothing to them. They'll be resting. Right? They already have the first seed in the West locked up. Well, here's the thing. With the, with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets and the Penguins, they're kind of the same team except for the speed, or they're, they're playing the same kind of hockey, I think, right now. Um, I would like to see the Penguins play the Flyers. I think that if they win this Thursday, and remember, the the Blue Jackets are a little bit banged up here. Uh, They've had some injuries the last couple of games. We don't know who's going to be back because they've got four days off until they meet them on Thursday night. I would like to see the Penguins keep that second place. Um, I would like to see them start against the Flyers, but it is going to be tight, especially if they win Thursday. And then, you know, you think the Penguins will rest some people for the final game because it's another back-to-back. I think the final game's going to mean something. I think they're good. If they, even if they win Thursday, if they, if they lose Thursday, 
Boy, if they lost Thursday and Friday, they could drop, like I said, to the wild card. To the wild card, So I think they're going to have to play their guys. I think they'll get a little extra rest because I think almost every team besides the Penguins plays Saturday. The Penguins' Uh, season ends Friday. Friday night, right. And everybody else plays Saturday. Well, good point. Well, let's just say I, I still think you know I don't think there's there's any doubt that they're going to make the playoffs right now. And if it all, let's see how they play Thursday. That'll tell you a huge part of the story for how April and the playoff stretch uh, uh, comes comes to fruition. I guess. Bob, I want to restart the Levy on Bell conversation. What was your take <laughs> on him uh, saying it's tough to be a hero when the time makes you a villain? I think yeah. that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's made himself a villain, period. Well, as I told Benzie last week, Mark, the guy says something different every single time. It seems like sometimes he loves it here. He wants to do the best and do the most he can for the Steelers and for their fans. And then in the next interview, depending on who he's talking to, everything is wrong. Everything is wrong with the situation, the city, the team, how they're using them, the contract, the numbers. It's like he's just this Jekyll and Hyde. His next tweet might be about how this is all going to come, you know, come together and he's going to have a great season and they're really going to keep, you know, the team together and they're they're going to make the best of the window that they have right now. It's it's crazy right now. It's like he's living a, a rap album where there's different songs each cut. How sick are the Steelers of all this by now? Oh. Do you think there's even a chance they rescind the tag if they draft a running back in the second round? I don't know. Kevin Colbert was talking about that last week, and when he was asked that question, he he kind of gave that deep breath and sigh going, nah, that's, that's not what we do. You know, I think that the Steelers are pretty set in their ways. I don't think they want to make any big splash. What if he misses week one? And they have a running back, a rookie that's come to camp and proven himself as much as you can in one training camp. I, let's just say I would understand if they did. They would have every right to do that, Mark. Uh, but I still don't think that that's in the DNA of Kevin Colbert or Art Rooney II. What do you think the split is among the fans, given these uh, late developments of him wanting now 17.5 mil per year as much as Antonio Brown and him saying that the time has made him a villain? If you had to split, you know, uh, uh, you know, one through 100, how many are with them, how many are against them? Of Steeler Nation, what would you say right now? Mark, if it was 60-40 last week before that tweet came out, I would say 60-40 for Bell and pay him or he's good enough to stay with the Steelers and make sure this works out. Last week, I would say it's 70-30 against Bell now. Online stuff has been atrocious. The reaction to it was immediate. People aren't mincing words here. They are not happy with Lev Bell pointing you know, the finger at Steelers and Steeler fans and the city of Pittsburgh. That's Bob McLaughlin brought you by 84 Lumber. In just a few moments, boy, I had a nice room in Las Vegas, a nice hotel suite at Bally's. I'm going to tell you one thing about it I I, I did not like. 105.90X.